don't know. I think the audio is probably going to be bad. But I think that me having a book on my coffee table that I haven't read and I don't really know anything about is like prime like, like, douchebag like, move of me. I'm going to be honest. I think that's your aesthetic. And don't, don't no! Peter! <laughs> no, no. No, like, no. I mean, hey, nobody... Knows my me. aesthetic is being like mentally ill and bragging <laughs> that I own books that I haven't read. Yeah, like, nobody knows what it means. It's provocative. I don't know. It, it looks a striking image. I like it. Honestly, I'm not even going to tell you why I bought it, but let me just say that Instagram was a, an influencing factor. And, of course. But the thing is, I have a lot of Japanese-influenced, inspired things at my house. And I have been to Japan a few times. And I love Tokyo oh. and I love Japan. And my main niche, and we're going for sushi tomorrow, but my main niche when I was writing oh. about food was Japanese food and sushi. But like all of like this, Yayoi Kusuma, she's a Japanese artist. She has like a bunch of um, statues and shit on this island called Naoshima in Japan that I went to. It's beautiful. She's famous for like pumpkins. I have a pumpkin one in my kitchen. And then all of these pillows, the throw pillows are Japanese. And then anyway, I just thought it worked. Anyway, um, okay, I started recording already. So I'm no, just gonna, cool. I'm just gonna... <laughs> I was going to say, it sounds like a little appropriation special for me. Oh, Jesus no, Christ. No, I'm oh, I mean, are, are, okay, one second. Welcome to another episode of Broke Bitch Anonymous. I am sitting here with my friend Peter A. Berry, who doesn't really need an introduction in some circles, but I'm going to do the cringeworthy introduction. Not cringeworthy, but I'm going to try and introduce you, and I'm sorry that it's probably going to be cringy. But Peter and I used to work together at XXL Magazine. He was like one of their, I think, best and, I don't know, not even necessarily most prolific writers, but you were just, I mean, kind of us, yeah, I don't know. You were there for a long time. You were a stable force, I feel, at XXL for a very long time. And when you left last year... I was shocked, honestly, and what you've done since then is, like, very admirable, and honestly, Peter is the person who I've kind of alluded to on this podcast in the past where I was saying I was, like, sleeping up my, on my friend's floor in New Jersey. Uh, that was Peter's floor, so I, shout out to you for letting that happen and giving me somewhere to stay, um, but since we have, well, that was a year ago, and I feel like we've both leveled up in in different ways for sure and honestly in some ways it's very surreal to be sitting here like I almost feel like I'm like visiting my home if that makes sense not that it's imposter syndrome but I almost feel like it's almost like I feel like I'm at an Airbnb or something like I know that this is mine but it's kind of surreal even when we were pulling up and you kind of had a moment where you're like yeah you're just like damn like wait what it was like a wave it was definitely it's different surreal is the right word like, you, you are, you are in, you're living your best Atlanta suburban life, I guess, now. I mean, but I'm in Atlanta, though, so it's not really a suburb. It's like, yeah, no, I mean, but it's like, you're just driving, just compared to where, because before you were in New York, you know I mean, you didn't, like, have the car, you were just, you know, you're taking subways places, you know, it was Walking, different. like, Walking. literally jumping the turnstile because I couldn't yeah, pay for the subway. Yeah, yeah no, it's like, yeah, you were living in a very, but, like, Atlanta, in Atlanta, like, you're in Atlanta, but, like, at least you can drive. People have cars here. You know, there's Marta, but... Nobody rides Marta, like... Unless yeah, you can. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, you gotta have a car out here. So, it's like, it's just... It feels different. It feels like a total 180, to be completely It honest. is a 180. And Which, it's you know. in, a, in a way that I never... When I booked that, like, spirit flight coming to Atlanta last spring, thinking I was just going to be down here for, like, a week or two and, like, meet with that one person I was supposed to be working with. Can I just say the name? Like, it doesn't matter anymore, does it? 
No. I feel like it doesn't matter that I was supposed to be managing Drewski, allegedly, and that's why I first came to Atlanta, and that just did not work out. Um, we didn't even meet, honestly, for like the first few months that I was here, but I just ended up staying for other reasons and started figuring out how to make money here, which I talked about on the first episode with like stripping and all that stuff. But when this time last year, when I booked that flight, like I never thought, I don't know, I never thought that I would be here. But you were saying that I'm like a chameleon or something, which no, sounds I mean, problematic. No, I mean, no, to be honest, it's like, I mean, I'm going to be completely honest. I didn't think that Atlanta was going to be your, your like forever home. I mean, maybe it won't be your forever, but I didn't think it was going to be like your even semi-permanent home. You know what I mean? I thought this was just going to be something just because I thought you were kind of trying it out. So Somewhere like, to like pass through. Yeah, exactly. Kind of just like with New York. I thought like, all right, she's going to go to LA next. Why so does everyone home. always think I'm going to LA? I don't like it there. I don't like LA. No, what it is is because in the music industry, it's either Atlanta, New York, or LA pretty much. That's where all the rappers are moving. It's one of those three things. That's true. Well, you move to LA after you've already made it. Right, that, that, that's sort of like the whole, like, yeah, like you're like, you're, you're goaded at that point, you already... No, I don't think you're goaded like, if you move to LA. No, There's a lot of goats that move to Atlanta, or There's stay in Atlanta. Them, maybe, maybe like, maybe not goaded, it's sort of like, I feel like you are, you are very legit by the time you go to LA, just because like, by, by process of elimination, like it's so goddamn expensive, you have to have like leveled up to a certain degree to afford to live there, so you'll see a lot of like, Senior director of A&R is there. True. And there's a lot of offices out there. Yeah, like the record labels are there. So it's like most of the record labels are in New York or L.A. So it's pretty much those two pretty much. But Atlanta is becoming more of a... I think the QC office is out here. Well, Atlanta's been a hub for music forever. Oh, yeah. But I feel like L.A. is where people that work in the industry that have cushy label jobs move. L.A. is where like the people who take credit for artists that really didn't do anything to like break the artist or they just kind of like co-sign their name beside it once he was already hot and already got a $5 million deal. Like, L.A. is where those people live. (laughs) And they live in their nice houses in the hills or whatever, and they have their beautiful lives. And No, I mean, pretty much. You know, good for them, but that just didn't work out for me. No, and, you know, know, I I like Atlanta for you. I feel like that's slowly but surely becoming kind of your aesthetic. Is it? I feel like... What is is the Atlanta aesthetic? I feel like it's sort of laid-back... It's sort of easy going. It's the rush is kind of gone. It's not. It's not abrasive. It's not as abrasive as New York. New York's kind of abrasive. But I like. I am an abrasive person, and like, I'm not. I'm not somebody that a lot of pe- that everybody likes, and I'm okay with that. But I feel like in. But when you were in New York, I feel like there was a slightly different Claudia. I feel like mm-hmm. that was a little more abrasive. Here, I feel like you're letting your hair down. Really. I feel like it's the opposite. I feel like I'm more of an asshole now more than ever because I actually have more of my shit together and I don't, first of all, I don't trust a lot of people to actually be in my inner circle. I don't want most people knowing where I live. I don't want, and I also feel like I don't have time or patience. Even today when I went to the club, by the way, it's my birthday today. It's my 30th birthday. Um, (laughs) It's March 17th, 2022. I was born on March 17th, 1992. So... A uh, big day, milestone, hard to not feel, not sad. It's just like, I always get kind of reflective on birthdays and then a milestone. It's just like, hard. you want to just act normal almost, but you can't. But anyways, I say all that to say, I went to the club today on my birthday, just like a boss bitch does. Just kidding. Terrible, <laughs> terrible move. But also I think 
it doesn't have to be a terrible thing. And I knew if I went that I would make a little bit of extra spending money and I had time today and I went out for dinner last night. Tomorrow we're doing the big thing. So I was like, whatever. But when I went there and after I talked to, you know, the people that I wanted to talk to, I walked around and old me would have been like, I should try and find someone else to dance for, talk to and get money out of. And I just looked around and I was like, I don't care about any of these people. I'm going home. Like, I don't want it. Like, you don't, they don't even deserve to talk to me. Maybe I just have my head too far up my ass now, but I feel like I have less patience than ever. I mean, that's one way of looking at it. But another way of looking at it as is that you're more happy and content with yourself as you moved into your new home and reached a new career plateau and life, life. Well, no, my career, my, no, no, no. But here's the thing. My career, I feel like, well, this podcast, I'm hopeful that, you know, I become the next Nelk Boys. Just kidding. Uh, but my career is very much has been on the downhill. My money went up, but career and money, the unfortunate thing is that they're not necessarily related, oh, especially in a city like Atlanta. My career has been going south ever since I got fired from all of my jobs. Like even with XXL, I don't, they never officially fired me, but I never tried to like write for them again. You know, so my career has, and I never made it in the way, in the music industry. I never got to the house in the hills with the people that take credit for breaking baby or whoever. I never got that, like, I, that didn't happen. I mean, girl, you're, pre, you're not, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, that's just, those are just your next steps, you know? But I, but, but I feel like, maybe, maybe, I, maybe I misphrased it slightly. Not career, but I feel like, <laughs> I, I feel like if you, I feel like the fact that you didn't go out of your way trying to dance for those people and make all that extra money with people you didn't want to dance for shows that you are more laid back. You're not trying, you're not as interested in trying to prove yourself and trying to make as much money because you're making a lot of money. And like, it shows an increased comfort. Interesting. I I, I feel like, I feel like if you were running around trying to, trying to dance with everyone, it's like, you're trying to, you're like in a, you're like in this paper chase, you know what I mean? In a way that you didn't necessarily need to be. If you're dancing with a bunch of people you don't want to dance with, you're like, you're kind of, you're a little, you're being strategic. You're thinking, you're thinking about it. No, but you still are being strategic if you're not dancing for a lot of people because you're still trying to make money. But I think the difference is I've realized that when you have to speak to a bunch of men that you don't really know, especially new, like you're literally going to introduce yourself for the first time, whatever, you do have to have like a very large amount of laid back tolerance. Like you have to shut up. I have to learn when to shut the fuck up and just be like, yeah, okay. Even though like what they're saying, like sometimes what people say, I'm like, no, I don't agree. But so you have to, I don't know. I feel like it's the opposite. I I don't, I think it's, I think you have to be laid back to be successful at it. And I just, I I don't know. I feel like you've been really, I feel like you were already successful, but now you're like at a point where you're just kind of like, fuck it because I'm actually laid back and I don't actually, I'm comfortable and, that, and, and, that's, and that's what being in the South is all about. Uh, people- I don't think, Peter, I think you have the South fucked up. I feel like the South isn't even like, I don't even think Atlanta is like, oh, it's a laid back city. Like it's. It, there's definitely a lot of tryhards here. Absolutely. But I mean, I, but I think like, I think that there's a fundamental spirit. Like they might be, they might be tryhards, but a lot of times they try and make it look like they're not trying hard. But, but I think the essence... No, everybody in Atlanta wants you to know that they have money and they're trying hard. Oh, no. I, <laughs> Not everybody. But, like, it, this, is the t- this is the city of, like, 
you know, you like when you go out, even where we were just at, we were in Buckhead at Copper Cove. Like if we were still there now, it would be every bust down Rolex and Cartier watch, <laughs> every chain, every uh, Montclair jacket, even though it's like 80 degrees. Like it's this. Funny. I remember Waka. I don't know if it was two chains. Or, I think it was two chains. He was talking about this Atlanta. Like if you say you get in money, but then people see you when you're in some average shit, they're going to they're gonna know the difference. I was like, wow. Yeah. But at the same time, that's interesting you say that because I feel like it's changing a lot where people who actually have money now, even like, I think with rap, that's been like, that's the culture is like, you know, you get money, you want to get a chain, you show it off. But now it feels like it's really changing where people aren't even like, I think, I think Waka Flocka Flame literally said that in an interview, like on the breakfast club or something where he was like, I don't wear designer shit or jewelry anymore because I have nothing to prove. I mean, I've seen him outside here. He doesn't pull up like that. Well, super side note, and that's pretty much how you are in the club. You're not dancing with anybody because <laughs> you're on your Waka Flocka. You don't got nothing to prove. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. So that's and, and there's nobody more southern than Waka Flocka. So he's so I fire. Saying, I love him. Nice, nice guy. You know, we could Very like nice he is a nice guy. I actually one of the first people I met when I got here. Actually, he was he was at, he goes to this club. Everybody goes to every club, but. I was at this strip club called Platinum once and I was there super late and somehow my purse ended up being in the trunk of some guy's car that I didn't even know and the guy drove off and it had like everything in it, like my wallet, like my money, I think even my passport, like everything was in it and I was just like, fuck, like I didn't even know this guy, he just drove off with my shit and it was like the end end of the night and then Waka Flocka walks out with his security and his driver and the only people, Platinum, like the security, they have like big guns, like they're not people that I would play with. No. So the only people that are in the parking lot, it's me crying about my purse, these security guards, and Waka, and his... Anyway, so it was... It. But he actually helped me out. I think he gave me, like, some fruit snacks or something. Oh, wow. And then the guy actually ended up coming back. Um, I called him, like, a hundred times. He came back. He gave me my purse back. But his, his driver, his security guard, whatever, I think... I don't know. He seemed nice. He actually drove me home and, like, he got me chicken wings at, like, four well, in the morning. Was the guy that had your purse, or was it Waka? No. The guy who had my purse came back, gave me my purse back, and Waka Flock of Flames, security slash driver guy that he was with, ended up driving me home, and he got me chicken wings at four in the morning. Wow. That was, like, my first week in Atlanta. So I was like, wow. I was like, damn, this city really has my back. Wow. <laughs> Even at my worst. I got to my you. worst. No. I mean, like, that's, like, a really... You know, I don't have the city behind me, but uh, it was it was nice. But anyways, um, I know that you, every time we talk, there's always moments where it's like, okay, let's not talk about this because we have to do this podcast. And, and when we were kind of not living together, but when I was crashing on your floor last year, we would always talk about how, I know everybody always has these conversations like, oh, we should do a podcast, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever. We're going to finally do it. Um, but I feel like you were one of the first people that planted the seed in my mind where I was like, I should actually do this. So I appreciate that. But then today when we were talking about like, okay, you know, let's do it tonight. Let's just chat. What should we talk about? Whatever. You're like, oh, I don't want to say certain things, whatever. And I was like, no, Peter, if you come on, you have to give it up. Like I give it up. But I think there's also a danger in my thinking. And I want to stop being this way of thinking automatically because you're like confessional that that automatically makes it interesting. And it really doesn't. Like, I think that especially women, not to stereotype all women, but yeah. even, even with writing, like it is a feminine, what is, what is the meme of fe- the feminine ur- urge? Feminine urge. <laughs> well, it is, but I think it is a feminine trait or characteristic to like think because you're being confessional or like you're sad that that automatically makes things interesting. 
And it's something I'm trying to fall out of and consciously stop myself from doing because one, I don't want to have to feel like I have to be sad all the time to be interesting. And two, I actually don't think it's that interesting to be sad. It's not interesting to be, to make sad your personal brand. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's not like the reality. I think like people will always relate to things. There's something gripping about hearing about the depression that people go through because it's like, you know, everyone relates to it. Even if, even if it is very common, it's like, the do you think it's gripping? Grouping? Gripping to hear I, about the the, sh- the shit that people go through. I mean, I think it, yeah. I mean, like when I hear like when I hear Jay Z talk about it, for instance. I mean, maybe, maybe it also depends on how you phrase it. Mm. When I hear Jay Z say something like, you know, he, I had dreams of holding the nine miller the box killer, asking him why is my eyes fill up, and he's like, he's talking about killing. He has dreams of killing the person that killed one of his best friends, and the way he phrased it, he has dreams of killing, holding a nine millimeter to the guy's head. And like asking him why as his eyes fill up with tears and like because he's you know he's about to kill him. That's a very vivid, vivid image. And Jay Z is a tough, strong player guy. And so to hear him go to that place where he's that honest about having dreams about killing the person and being about to like crying as he's about to kill them, that's a very vivid image and it's a gripping image, you know. So I think it depends on your delivery and how you can explain it. But also you have to be self aware enough to know whether or not something is a big deal. And sometimes it's just, just not a big deal. It's not significant at all. You know, so that's, you know, it's just sort of like, it's a case by case. I, I guess so. Things. But I think sometimes, you know, with most, sometimes I think like, should I talk more about, I don't know, like current events or like things like that instead of just always like coming and like spilling my guts out. And it's, I don't know, I, I just... I didn't mean that you could only come on if you're like telling your darkest secrets. That's oh, no. all. It, you don't. You don't have to do that. Oh no, I don't have any. I'm pretty open. I mean, I'm pretty like I'm pretty. It's not even really a dark secret. You know what I mean? Like I feel like, not to like dive all the way in, but like I feel like I've been, and you know, if you guys on a podcast, you know, if you look at my writing and you hear me talk enough, I love Jay Z, but like. I'll always reference Jay-Z lyrics. He had a lyric called For Can I Live? And he said, I'd rather die enormous than live dormant. That's how we own it. Mm. And what he means is like, the same thing 50 Cent means, get rich or die trying. The same, but in a different way, a more like poignant way. When I'm, And that's kind of like what I've been living my whole journalism career. Mm-hmm. You know, there were so many times where like I was growing up, like I was kind of an outcast. You know what I mean? I had... You know, I've talked about this before, but, like, I, like, had disabilities that, like, people... And they weren't, like, obvious disabilities, because, like, I had friends, and I was cool with people, and I played sports, and I always had friends and things like that. But there'd be some things I didn't know how to do, and people didn't understand why I didn't know how to do them, so they think I was dumb. Or, like, I'd say a word they didn't understand, and they'd laugh, and be like, why are you using that stupid word? Or, Kids like, are so mean, though. But, but do you... That's interesting. Do you think, though, that working... Because for me, I've been a freelancer. Like, I haven't had a real job since, like, 2012. I don't even fucking know. But even as a freelancer, even when I was writing for bigger publications like Vogue or even XXL or whatever, you're a freelancer, so you're not really associated with that brand so strongly. But you being a staff writer for, like, you know, corporate media, did you feel, like, a responsibility to not really be... not, Not to not be yourself, but a responsibility to be a little bit more restrained? Um, I mean, it's more about, yeah, I mean, like, for me, it was more about, like, as far as my personal life, you know, I'm just kind of, I'll speak on it if someone asks, but, like, I'm kind of, I tend to be a little more restrained, I'll say more than I have to, 
But as far as like just what the job required, you know, it just didn't require me to be personal. So. Right. So I, so I was kind of like mechanical. I was kind of machine like. But know? didn't you? For me, I feel like this is why I said it's the feminine urge, but. I feel like even when the job doesn't require me to be personal, I still find ways to, like, insert myself yeah. into it. <laughs> yeah, no. In all of my writing. No, I mean, yeah, that absolutely happens. I mean, for me, I mean, you know what? That happens, but for me, like, I'm more, like, I would say I'm very kind of icy and cold a lot of times. Like, I'm very good at compartmentalizing things mm-hmm. and, like, just being like, okay, this is how I feel about this, but this is what I know about this. And because of what I... So this is how I feel about writing this or doing this. Mm-hmm. But this is my job and whatever. I'm just going to do my job. I don't give a fuck. I can separate. That's not really how I feel. That's how I did. So, you know, it's, so it's always... And it's, it's not just with writing, but it's with people and different ideas. And That's all. interesting. Maybe that's why you still have more faith in journalism. Because you're... Like, for me, I don't even really believe that people are fully able to separate themselves from, like, their work. Or they're writing, mm-hmm. but maybe that's just because I don't. I don't really separate myself, so I just assume everybody else doesn't really separate themselves. So then, when I start to look at like corporate media or like whatever article, it, everything is nothing is unbiased. Like everything, is there's there? a person behind everything. So you start to like look at everything through all these different mirrors, and it's like all of this is bullshit, kind of. Yeah, no, I mean it's very not to be so dismissive oh, no, of mean, it all, but I'm be real. I mean, a lot of it is. You know, a lot of these came. Like, the guy, you know, and I, you know, if I, if I could, you know, if I could find, if I could catch Kyle Rittenhouse in the back alley, I'd knock him out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But, like, the way... Would you? Did, wait, didn't... Okay. But didn't... Wasn't that whole thing, like, misunderstood? Didn't he shoot, like, two white guys or something? No, yeah, no. Yeah, exactly. And, like, film me, whatever. So, so why would you knock him out? No, no, no. No, no. Because, like, to me, it's sort of, like... I'm I'm very annoyed by the premise of like what he's doing, which the, is what the premise is like. Oh, these these in, and I don't want to say these words. Oh, they're destroying like. Oh no, these stores. We have to protect these stores of people. You know what I mean? But like my thing is like, yo, dude, like they they just shot this dude eleven times and he got off. Like fuck that store, fuck it. Like honestly, like you should care. I wish he had as much enthusiasm. I wish white people came out with their guns to defend black people against getting shot by the police mm-hmm. as they did to defend these stores. I feel like we wouldn't even have these problems if that was that. No, of course. Is that why... He, but didn't he shoot white people? Oh, no. Oh, no. He absolutely shot them, but it was a part of a bigger... But my thing is, like, like why is he out there? Right. That, 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 that was my thing. Like, what is... No, of course. It was wrong. Like, if to start... But my, my confusion with it was, like, why is it a conversation about race when he shot it's white a, guys? Yeah, no. And, 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 and that's the thing. It became sort of a big thing where it was, like... For me, it became, like, a... And not only... Even more of it... Even more than it being cons- <laughs> about race, I thought, you know, when I was watching the media, I didn't hear anything about this guy that had apparently just left the hospital the day before and had serious mental problems. And I didn't hear, like, from what I heard, I was like, oh, this guy's going to prison. Right. But, but then I heard the facts of the case from the way the media reported it. I mean, but then I, I thought he was going to prison. But I heard the facts of the case. I was like, oh, well, now I know why he got off. Because, I mean, it's fucked up. You know what I mean? But that's, I mean, it's arguably self-defense. It's a pretty, pretty good case. So, like, you know, and I think that people let their subconscious bias influence them no matter what they do. Me, I'll say, like, you know, I worked as a news editor, so... I was always like, 
And because I'm always compartmentalizing, I was always extremely careful with my phrasing. And I always thought that, like, I didn't, I did a pretty good job of not letting bias into, like, my writer's work or, you know, what I said. But, like, you know, it's not easy, not to brag, but that's not an easy skill because everything is always... But isn't it better? Like, but how... I feel like that's bullshit. Because, like, aren't you... Even when you're doing reviews, like, you're critiquing a thing. Oh, no, no, no. Like, even when you're doing a list, like, that's still your opinion of... Like, you're not removing yourself. It's still your oh, no, oh, thing. No, oh, no, funny. For, for criticism, it's all good. But for covering news... Right. You know what I'm saying? It's just... I, I feel like everybody needs to be as mechanical and unfeeling as possible. Right. You know what I mean? But that, that, but that doesn't always happen. Right. So that's what you did at Double XL for a long time, is you... For a while. ...wrote yeah. about... Hip hop news. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I mean, yeah, that's yeah, what about news? And like a lot of that involves fact checking and, and looking at the facts of what happened, mm-hmm. you know? But I mean, even, you know, but it's a difficult, I remember, it's just, it's, it, it can be a difficult thing when it's something you care about. You know, you have to really, you have to really get good at, you have to really be good at compartmentalizing if you want to be a responsible if you want to be a responsible reporter. But the thing is, people, we're in a society that's encouraging people to take things at face value, right? What do you and mean by that? As in like, you know, it's sort of like, hey, this person says, this is with all due respect to any victims of anything, but like, this this person- <laughs> Good disclaimer. No, 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 no. Like, I feel like, I, I'm not trying to play anybody, but like, you know what I'm saying? But like, it's like, hey, you have, you absolutely have to believe in this Otherwise, you are betraying your entire, you know, ethnic group. Right. Your entire gender. Well, that was kind of like the Kanye thing. I feel like that's where that, like we were talking about it before when we were getting our sandwiches from Publix, but that's where that conversation like gets messy. No, it gets messy. I feel like, but no, my thing is Kanye, it can get messy, but I mean, Kanye, I mean, they've all but completely proven that the Republicans used him as a puppet to like get votes away from Joe Biden. You know what I mean? Have like, they proven that? Yeah. I mean, Not in the news that I follow, I mean, but I guess I don't follow. No, I, mean, I read a really good, like, New York, New York Daily or Daily Beast report about it. It seems pretty... I'll say... I can't say for sure. It seems very likely. That's what a lot of... I think... You don't think Kanye is a free thinker that oh, no, oh, no, no, can't no. be bought? I feel like Kanye is one of the last remaining people that can't be bought. Oh, I mean, I think Kanye... The thing is, he worships... The thing is, he also worships money he likes he worships the appearance of things and and big the prettiest thing the fattest ass kanye worships kanye no 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 he (laughs) worships kanye yeah exactly he worships other things he thinks are like kanye like billions of dollars right the most clout you can get the most money you can get the baddest chick you can get that's why he but how is that related to him being a pawn in the election oh no 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 no. but um as far as like the pawn in the election i mean that's just, um, I don't doubt that that's what Kanye believed. I don't doubt that Kanye wanted to be president. He's still going to run, I think. No, no, he's still going to run. And he's probably always wanted to be. He's wanted to be president for a long time. But from what <laughs> I read, it seemed, it's just unfortunate that he was being used, or he appears to have been possibly being used by, you know, a pretty racist um, and, you know, I don't like this word that much, but problematic president. Right. You know, Trump is a bastard. You know what I mean? He, 
the, the, the riots of January 6th, you know what I mean? No, it's crazy. I mean, the crazy thing about Trump right now, for me, seems like he is continuing to get more young supporters. Yeah. And more people that traditionally were kind of liberal, open-minded people seem to be more falling in line with liking Trump. And did you watch that Nelk Boy interview that he did in Mar-a-Lago Mar- with no, those guys, no. those YouTubers? No. Damn, that shit was so crazy. Are you familiar with the Nelk Boys? They have like tens of millions of subscribers or some shit. No, no. Um, you don't know them? No, I really don't. That's crazy. Okay, my friend put me on, but there's this one guy, what is his name? Steve will do it. So he gives cars, he gave like Kodak Black, like uh, this famous car from Florida that like everybody, like I forget what the fuck it was called. Anyway, he gave the guy who ki- killed Osama bin Laden a car. He gives away like hundreds of thousands of dollars on the street. Like they, they gave, like they do a lot of shit. And there's this, that's a whole section of YouTube that you know, someone like Mr. Beast where like they gave away an island. Like it's just how extreme can you make it and how many sponsors and how many sponsorship dollars can you get to then kind of funnel into the video to make it even bigger and then get bigger sponsors the next time. It's like a beast that feeds itself kind of. But anyway, so there's these YouTubers who have this big channel and honestly, I'm not too familiar with their like previous work. I was talking to somebody earlier today actually that was like telling me that them as like an ideology is like very dangerous but maybe it's because they are like open trump supporters they're kind of like if you know fresh and fit yeah so and then you know academics yeah yeah, yeah, I know yeah. and all of these people that have their own pockets on the internet like the nelk boys are like right beside those guys yeah, but right. they've tapped into like a huge pocket of i feel like like white dudes that just are not really necessarily served by like the platform is that we kind of know yeah. and their platform is way fucking bigger like huge like they interviewed donald fucking trump I mean, that's the thing. like that's crazy but the crazy thing is i feel like now the more young people that i talk to or even like the nelk boys followers or whatever a lot of them are probably like never trump people but so, now he's becoming more and more normalized i think people you know for multiple reasons I think the rise of Trump and people like that are a response to, um, is a response to, you know, every once in a while the pendulum swings a little bit far in one way. And like, you know, for years people have been like making fun of and joking at people for not understanding these complex social things. Like, you know, they accidentally misgender someone. Mm-hmm. They, you know I mean? Everyone turns and makes a meme out of somebody for... You know, they'll shout out every ethnic group, but, oh, no, it's actually Latinx. You fucking idiot. Right. Well, that's, like, the extreme version that I think alienates a lot of people. Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. Because it's, like, like, you can never get it right. Yeah, no, exactly. You know what I mean? And admittedly, you know, there's even stuff that I didn't get right when I was, like, totally young. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I grew up worshipping the civil rights movement. My grandma fought in the civil rights movement. Mm -hmm. Like, one time I explained to my class in ninth grade, like, hey, Nat Turner wasn't wrong for what he did. And that turn like killed his slave masters, killed their children, mm. killed. I mean, but to me, I'll stand by that. I'm like, yeah, feel me, I'll do, you feel me. But you know, so I'm I'm by no means like a borderline person, but like even I can say like the pendulum swung to the point where people are sort of forcefully judgmental, and it's very I can see why it would alienate people, but also like some of these people don't have like. <laughs> the foresight and like the actual experience to know like oh hey guys this is still pretty fucking bad <laughs> like this is still kind of like unacceptable you know what i mean it like, is still, yeah that's the thing i mean because yeah, at the end of the day like trump like he literally like tried to ban trans people 
from the army. No, it's crazy. Like, and immigration <laughs> was not great. And he, like, it, it, I mean, it wasn't great. He literally said you should grab women by their pussies. Was, like, pretty openly racist. Like, yeah, no, it was a lot of, it was a lot of public embarrassments and humiliations. And just, it was bad. But at the same time, I don't want to talk too much about Trump, honestly. But I feel like there's a lot of people that still, even now with the war, like, in Ukraine and stuff. And I don't know. I mean, with in his interview with the YouTubers, who by the way pulled up in like like sweatsuits and they have their own brand of like hard seltzer, and they but it was honestly I respected it more actually. One of the late night hosts, I think it was like Jimmy Kimmel. Kimmel is a big one. He tried to roast them like the Nelk Boys for pulling up to Mar-a-Lago in their sweats and whatever. He's like, and in a war, like Donald Trump sat down with them, and it's like. But in a war, you're doing a fucking monologue about it. And you're trying to, like, roast these kids that have built up a platform pretty much on their own independently. Whereas you, like, your shit is pushed by, I don't know, fucking Disney or whatever. Like, it's, you have a giant, giant machine behind you. These kids, like, you know, built this thing. Like, that's something, it's an accomplishment, I think. So it's interesting to see, like, the clash of it. But, um... In the interview, as they're wearing the sweatpants, whatever, one of the things he repeated the most was the fact that, like, if he was president, I don't even know if he repeated it, but somehow this is, I left knowing or thinking this, that if he was president, the war in Ukraine probably wouldn't have happened, like, because him and Putin had some kind of, like, understanding or whatever, which is not something to brag about that you have an understanding with, like, a fucking (laughs) war criminal, pretty much, but it's an interesting idea, and I don't know if he's, I don't know, how how can we know, um... But I think it definitely adds validity to the idea of Trump, where it's like, like I, not that I even can choose, but like war in Ukraine slash Russia slash Europe slash the world or like Donald Trump as president. Like I might pick Donald Trump as president, to be honest. It's a funny thought. I, to be honest, I'll have to watch the interview and know like Donald Trump bullshit so much and he is. Like he No, he's the he's the master bullshitter. He like he's the master fake marketer. Like he is the king of marketing fake shit. He blustered his way to president. He just he said a bunch of shit that like people like like that was like, oh fact check, this is wrong. He still works. No, it was crazy. It was crazy. It was crazy. So I don't know how to like take I have to watch the interview, but I don't know how to take, you know, I would But it's it's concerning now though, because I remember and at that time like my biggest dream when I became a writer or a journalist was like to write for the New York Times. Like that was my ultimate accomplishment. And like the irony sort of is that like my other coworker that I used to work for work with at the National Post now writes for the Times. And I know like if I had continued on that path, I probably I mean eventually at some point I probably could still write op-eds or something. I don't know. We'll see how life wherever it fucking takes me, but that was like my ultimate goal then. And in 2016, when Trump was elected, whatever, I remember watching the fact-checking and really believing in a, in a publication like The Times where it's like they get, you know, they're more dependable for facts and, like, I trust them for information. Donald Trump is just fucking bullshit. Like, he doesn't, like, everything he says is not true and people are still believing it. Like, that's crazy. But then when you silence people completely, like, kick them off of pretty much the whole internet, for me, it almost lends more, like, not truth to what Trump is saying, but it makes me want to listen more and consider what he's saying more. Cause I'm like, but you, if, if what he was saying, like, was it that dangerous to silence someone so completely? Cause I feel like the more dangerous thing is silencing people completely. Yeah. Like, so, you know, in my opinion, like 
And that's the thing, like, philosophically, I'm completely, like, people will say racial slurs or homophobic slurs or whatever problematic, whatever, whatever on Twitter. And people will, like, quote tweeted, like, hey, so-and-so, this is still here, Twitter. Why have you deleted this? That was what happened to me. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, feel me. But this is what I'm going to say. Um, you know what I mean? I think that, personally, I think that everything good or bad should be allowed to be said without necessarily being sanitized. A private company can do what they want with it, but I think that... For but are they private companies if they, like, have more power than... Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah no, I mean, I don't know if it's a... I'm, I'm, I still, like, I debate, blah, 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 you know, I go back and forth with, like, what Twitter should do, blah, 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 but what I would say is that I think that, you know, bad things, bad and stupid things are allowed to be said... But at the same time, you can't change the rules for things you don't like when it comes to universal principles. Because if it's, you know, yeah, Trump will say some stupid shit potentially and it will influence people to do things like the January 6th riot and other horrible things like say, oh, we're the deplorables and people feel this false sense of victimization for the most part. But like, but then like, you know, at the same time, 50 years ago, People could have, it seems like far-fetched, but people, white supremacists, could have figured out a way to say that Martin Luther King was saying hate speech. Like, hey, he's asking for as much money as we have? Oh, that's hateful. That's, and, you know, I mean, they probably were idiots that were trying no, to say things yeah, that's like what I'm that. Saying. I mean, like, this will destroy all of us. And, and, and like, had there not been freedom of speech and like people being able to say whatever they wanted, maybe people could have silenced him even earlier and maybe there's still segregation. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I think you have to kind of accept the good with the bad, and we're in a constant battle for America's soul. And I think most of the time, what I'll say is the right side comes out on top. But sometimes you take an L and Trump gets elected and people are okay with people saying that people from other countries or all immigrants are just a bunch of rapists and people are okay trying to ban, ban people from the trans military. You know, I mean, from the military, trans people from the military and people are okay be- telling a fringe white supremacist group to say stuff like proud boys stand up and not openly denounce them and people right. are okay with that you know and but i think you have to there's always going to be people who are okay with there's always going to be extremists like there's always going to be terrible yeah, people yeah exactly and i think to some extent unfortunately and i think what people have become uncomfortable with is the idea that you just is the idea that you have to kind of let it rock. You have to kind of let society, you have to kind of let it go. Like you have I, to let it rock, but it's scary. Like now I'm worried about, like it's ironic for me to say it, I guess, because like, I don't know. I'm just going to speak not for America, but as somebody that lives here, seeing where the country is going, it feels like we are on the decline of an empire. And like with this war in Ukraine, with like inflation being so crazy, with like supply chain issues still continuing from COVID, with now Russia and Ukraine were like largely responsible for a bunch of the wheat production in the world. Seeing how all of that could add up and probably will add up like six months to a year down the line, plus add on the fucking, it's. Inflation is not at 8%. It's way higher. Like, you literally notice the price difference at the grocery store. Gas is like $6 a gallon now in Atlanta. Like, it's bad. I feel like every empire 
you know, has a rise and a fall. And if you look at kind of like where America was and where we're at now and then where China is going, which is like straight up, I feel like we're on the, like, it's like this decline. Like we're just, it's, things could get really bad. To be honest. Things could get really bad. And we have too many dollars in like circulation. Nothing like the economy just doesn't make sense. The government is like, Biden is lying about why we have inflation, which is, it's like because they printed too much money and now there's not enough like good like if I feel like we're not doomed but it seems like a good time to potentially prepare for things to get worse. You know it's interesting and it's I can only say that I'm an expert on pop culture and miscellaneous music and, and probably like racism and <laughs> different social Those are a lot of good things to be an no, expert on. No, no, those are a few things. I don't understand the intricacies of America's economy. And like all the shit, but what I will say is having. So you don't worry about like a global food shortage coming because I think I've been thinking about that all week. That's what I've been thinking about. I went to Walmart this week and I bought five bags, five five pound bags of rice, and a bunch of canned chickpeas and shit. Like I'm about actually probably about to go back next week and buy other stuff because. First of all, prices are increasing, but also, what if, like, we're hit with something? I lost power this weekend. It fucking sucked. Like, yeah. completely lost power. And it just reminds you, like, you never really see it coming. And I don't want to be stuck in a situation again. Not to be, like, a doomsday prepper, but I don't want to be stuck in, like, a COVID-2020 situation where, you know, you're lining up to get to the grocery store. There's no toilet paper. There's no... Like, you see the worst in people when those situations happen. You know what's interesting? So what I was going to say is, I know... You know more about economic. You like you were literally on the news explaining cryptocurrency and stuff. You know I mean? But I'm an idiot. No, 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 no. But what I'm gonna say is this: like having been here, you know, just been through America. It's always it's felt like we we're on decline, the fucking decline for like thirty years. Really? Like, yeah, feel me. Like it's just like oh, it was like in 2007. It was like oh, our fucking gas prices are five five dollars. What the fuck? That's interesting. You know what I'm saying like you know what I'm saying, like, you know what I'm saying? it's like oh shit, why? Damn, we didn't really win that that Iraq war. What what were we doing there? People are people don't respect us. Yo, our debt, this big floating trillion dollar debt, we keep going further into debt. You know, that was like two thousand. Well now we're like twenty thirty trillion or like yeah, yeah, something exactly. absurd. But as far as I can tell, you know what I mean? It's like it always feels like I'm you know That's interesting, but I also think as somebody who like didn't grow up here and has no like all my family is in Poland and Europeans and the people who don't live in America are like America's like the cool like uncle's house that you get to go over to and like you know like it's like the cool place that you get to go if you're lucky like most of the world wants to come to America and I guess that's because America's been the global leader and you know we have the reserve currency and American influence like in pop culture and everything is like undeniable like America is in a lot of ways still even though like Hollywood is like burning like the world leader on most in most senses. Um, but when you're from here, I feel like people take it for granted. Yeah. And always bitch about it. They're always like, oh, America. And yeah. I'm like, bro, literally everybody wants to come here. Bro, like, like when people, my friend who isn't from here, who immigrated here from Jamaica, he used to, or from Jamaica, but also someone else told me the story from India. They, like, they literally were told that, like, the water from the faucets in America is gold. Like, it literally, gold, like, that's, it's like you're in this magical, and of course, when you get here, it's not gold. Yeah, no, man, it's, it's a lot of projects and ghettos. But and it's shit. still, you know, like, comparatively, 
Not to look at it through rose-colored glasses, like, comparatively, though, it's still way fucking better than a lot of No, girls. feel me, America is straight. Feel me, the way I feel about America is, like, this is, I don't worry about it. We're going to be fucking fine. The big, they might, oh, no, it's fine. Are we, though? What if China becomes, like, the global reserve currency, which it seems like... I feel like, it, it also depends on, like... It doesn't I, look good. It also, feel me, I don't know enough. What I'll say is, like... It feels like I've lived through so many catastrophes and like we have our generation yeah. has. You know what I'm saying? I feel like it's specific. I'm like, oh shit! All right, well, it, it, shit doesn't feel that much different than it did in 2011. Or yo, it was always on some stupid shit. We shouldn't have been the debt that we're in. Like, I feel like people are just too dependent on America and just it's like not a real thing. It's like really, I, I, like I feel like people are just at the end of the day, yo, like we just have mad bombs and shit. Like niggas, a lot of people have bombs. No, 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 no. <laughs> True, they don't. They don't. Niggas know that, like, yo, America, like, they, they're, they're not, you know what I'm saying? Like, we have, we're America, you know, we're, it's, we have the swag with us for better. No, but do you feel like, I, I don't want to say it, but maybe that's partially like American ignorance also. Maybe, you know, I mean, to you assume, because it really, if you look at like, so every empire, like the Roman Empire, the Dutch Empire, like the British Empire, everything, like every empire, there's a rise and there's a fall. It's like a lifespan, you know? Yeah. Everything dies. And right now, if you look at the lifespan of us and the way that the world is going, like it looks like we're extremely fucked. But that's, I hope we're not. That's, I mean, no, that's yeah. optimistic. I mean, no, to me, it's just, maybe it's, maybe I just take it for granted. To me, it's felt like we've been extremely fucked for a while. Right. Like, Forever. Just, I mean, we, we just had fucking Trump as our fucking, this guy was just on TV saying you're fired. Right. But that's what, that's the beauty of this country is that you can be on TV saying you're fired and then become the president. And that's great. That's capitalism, baby. It's almost like a metaphor, you know, it's like, it's a metaphor for like the idea we're just constantly in a battle for America's soul. The financial soul, the moral soul, well, the principal soul. Are we in a battle? I feel like we're so comfortable. We're so comfortable like, with our life. Well, I was going to say, I feel like, I mean, like, for instance, like, feel me, I feel like the fact that so many people still voted, you know what I mean? Like, even if Biden won this election, like, so many people still voted for Trump. So that shows that a lot of people are okay with some, some pretty fucking wild and unacceptable things that shouldn't have been okay. Yeah, I mean, in 2016, we lost, you know, we barely, yeah, I mean, and then, like, you know, there's all these, there's big battles about, hey, should this, capitalism is, maybe it's, maybe it's in my journalism bubble, but every journalist I know, besides, like, you, thinks capitalism is just, like, evil. You know what it is? No, it's, it's not a journalism, okay, that's interesting. Can we be frank, then, about money in journalism? Because, for me, when I was more broke, I did feel... The promise of capitalism is that, well, I don't fucking know, but one of the promises is that you can get rich if you work hard and you can have the American dream and the, you know, the beautiful house and whatever. Once you realize that working hard doesn't necessarily make you rich, which is what happens 99% of the time in journalism, I think you start to resent the system and you start to resent capitalism because you're like, this is a scam. Like I work 12 hours a day. I sit at a desk like doing the fucking most and I make $30,000 a year and I can literally not even afford to fucking live in New York City where I have to live to do this shitty job. And the only good part about it is that I get free food, which is 
the worst free thing ever, like free lunches or there's no such thing as a free lunch, but that's just the worst thing and free, you know, invitations to fancy parties and the promise of eventually advancing to some more fulfilling career. But that promise is like dangled in front of you like a fucking carrot and rarely ever even comes like it's like when we were driving here that's the thing it's like when we were driving here and i was listening to old you asked me what i thought about drake and i was like i feel like as i've gotten more money i've appreciated drake more it's i don't know i think when you're broke of course it's easy to complain about capitalism because the system is not working for you it's an interesting thing i mean and a lot of journalists are broke let's be honest no that's what i'm gonna say about it like the thing is like what I would say, and like to me, it's kind of annoying to hear like the rhetoric. Oh, this is oh the fucking billionaires. Like, what didn't they? Because in my opinion, you know, oh why didn't they do? To me, like I, per, I'm very like kind of libertarian, low key. Like, I really don't think that people owe anybody anything. I do think the government owes black people reparations. I, I do think that you can easily every intellectual argument you can make leads to that. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> besides that, I don't. I do think the government. Literally, actually, I'm gonna be honest. I think if you're paying taxes, I think the government owes you a living wage. I think if they're gonna make you, right? I think if they're gonna make you go to school, lunches need to be free. If it's, mm. if you're not gonna let niggas work, then you know what I'm saying. So I I think the government. I, I'm kind of in the middle. I believe the government should give everybody like thirty five thousand dollars a year at least. Interesting. That's like what they do in Switzerland. Yeah, that's what they just give you like yeah, something like that. These motherfuckers, they're giving these fucking millionaires like, oh, here, here's this. T- Oh, but 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 I don't necessarily believe that. Like, I don't I don't think every billionaire is evil. Blah blah blah. But I will say is this: journalists tend to be. You know what I mean? Our system is just it's built. You know what I mean? Like, I, it's just it's just just not. You know how many you know how many untalented fucking people I've known with a lot of money that they didn't. Of work. course. They, that's what, that's what I'm saying. And they don't even know how to spend it. That's what I'm saying. I mean, like they didn't work hard. They didn't. What happens is this, and this is like ninety nine percent of the time, you're literally going to do as well as your parents do. Like unless you're unless you're like significantly above average, like if you're if your dad didn't if your mom and dad didn't go to college, you grew up in a ghetto, or you grew up in a trailer park. Most of the time, you know. I don't think that's true. My my parents didn't go to college. No, 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 no. But I'm saying like as a rule, like you're a very bright, intuitive, very smart person. But like most, but you know, you're you're significantly you're gifted. If you took an IQ test, you probably. I, I feel like my IQ would be, like, two. No, like, I wouldn't even understand the test. No, 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 no. You would have, like, a gifted IQ, you know what I mean? But what if it's somebody with just an average IQ and somebody in the status quo? You know what I mean? Like, most of the time, people are going to do, like, what their parents do. You can transcend it, but that's the thing. You have to transcend it. It's not acceptable. You know what I mean? You're right. Gonna it's gonna. It's going to be harder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. I mean, like, you're going to... Because you're, you're not going to understand. Like, when I think about... And you're gonna have to you're gonna have to pay for everything yourself. So you're gonna yeah, have to figure exactly. out how to that's yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying? Like my mom, like I'm lucky. My mom hadn't graduated college by the time you know I was. My mom was 21. You know she graduated. When she was 27. And my dad was in the army. He graduated like he was like 28. Yeah, you know I mean, but I, I think about like every all the advantages I had because my parents were two intellectuals and they like. And even though my dad was born with color on his birth certificate, he that's was born crazy. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Feel me like that's crazy. You know what I'm saying? Like you know what I'm saying? But like we're just looking through it. You know what I mean? But I was lucky. I think about everything my mom put into me. It was, and my mom and dad. I was doing vocabulary exercises. I was reading books. I was going to museums. I was literally trained. 
like there was no way I don't want to say there was no way I was gonna fail but like I was just conditioned with a very like kind of upper like you know just the upper kind of whatever like a successful how to be successful in America mind state mm -hmm. and things like that you know what I mean but a lot of people I knew you know what I mean like when they're when their parents to be honest their parents they didn't go to school and they weren't that educated and they weren't necessarily that bright when I watched them interact with their kids it'd be like shut up why because I said so they don't let their kids argue with them yeah and then they don't let their kids that was kind of like my dad like there was no there wasn't a lot of wiggle room for yeah, sure yeah, and it's a really it's a i think it's a very unhealthy like he was a great dad but like it's a really unhealthy it kind of fucks you up when you're a kid no no no, no. And to be honest and it's also you know i'm not to say i don't know what your parents ended up but for me it's also a social class reproduction theory because what happens is the kids that are rich and have rich parents and the parents that are like lawyers and doctors or readers they'll maybe let their kids argue with them right and they're, 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 they're able they learn to see themselves outside the context that's interesting of like that's of, interesting of, of, of just being a machine hey do it you know but like you'll notice in the lower quote-unquote lower classes it's like they teach people hey no fall in line your opinion no it's yeah my mom, my mom let like me, we don't have time for this yeah, like yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, my parents let me argue with them that's interesting. So early on, I knew that like things weren't black and white, and that things could be mutually exclusive, and that my voice was important. But certain social classes and certain things, you know, they just subconsciously, because of the way it's been molded and the way society's worked them over, and the the lack of access to resources, they tell you, no, you were this. You fall in line. You listen to what your eventual boss is going to tell you. Yeah. You do this, and that's just how it happens. Just reprint. So you'll notice there's a fundamental difference in how like. A lot of times, upper middle class and rich people will act compared to people from Chile Park, for instance, or something. Yeah, I mean, so it's like it goes very deep, and you notice. True. Like, when I think about you know, people are set up. People really are just set up at these stations, and it's very difficult to transcend because you don't even know what's outside of it. You know, like it's really hard. Like you're right. Even I don't know. I was talking about this actually with somebody earlier today, but. There's so many shootings that happen in Atlanta, like everywhere, you know, all, all over the country. But, you know, people have gun, guns here, whatever. And often it's like young kids who probably never been out the country, probably never even been out of the state. Like just have such you have such a limited worldview because like you, you haven't seen anything and life becomes so cheap, you know, like you don't even realize. Yeah, there's also it's sad. I mean, yo, I mean, yeah, those things go, you know, they're so multi-layered. One of my favorite, Tupac is another one, besides Jay-Z. If you want to talk about gun violence... Please you know, quote some Tupac. No, yeah, no, but one of my favorite things, you know, what he said was like, you know, you want to explain these gun violence and, and these communities. The same criminal element that white people are afraid of, black people are also afraid of. The difference is that black people are in, these pro in the ghetto, they're packed in with the guy that just got out of prison. They're packed mm. up in these project buildings. It's like 60, 80 deep. Mm -hmm. And they're right next to each other. And he, what he said was, these, the people that just got out of prison, these felons, these drug dealers with these guns and AK-47s and things like that, these are the same people that the police wear shields and helmets and have grenades right. and helicopters and riot gear on to face these same people that these people have war weapons, the police have war weapons to deal with, 
these black people in these ghettos are living with them. Yeah. And, 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 and like, just because they're living next to the killer, they're supposed to be cool with them or something? Right. And, and that's the point. So what he was saying is, like, a lot of people having guns and shooting people isn't because they just want to be thugs or shoot people or maybe not even because, of, sometimes because of their worldview, but maybe not even because of that. But it's because of, they just don't want to die. No, of, of course, of course, of course. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So like somebody kills your cousin on a personal level, you're going to want to kill them, no matter where you're from. If somebody kills my cousin, with all my parents have master's degrees, mm. or both senior corporate executives, you know, all that, well-known, all that. But, like, if somebody, you know what I'm saying? But if somebody killed my cousin, I'm going to want to kill them. But it would be even worse if I lived in the same community with that person. Mm. Because even more than wanting revenge, you have to kill them because they might kill you. Right. So that's what a lot of these things happen. And in a way, America works. It's It just reproduces, it socializes these people so you, your dad goes to prison. He can't get a job at a sustainable working company. These factory jobs are out. They've been outsourced. They, um, you know what I mean? These factory jobs have been outsourced. You know what I mean? Your dad gets arrested for selling crack. All of a sudden, your dad's not there. And all of a sudden, you're in a single-parent household. And then, like, you're fucking... You're in a shitty community. As I mentioned, you're surrounded by sometimes serial killers. Yeah. Some of your friends are like, and niggas killed your cousin. And you end up... You know what I mean? Like, right. Well, like, like in a rich white neighborhood, you know, somebody robs a store, they get a good lot, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's written off as like, it's written off as like, oh, just mischief and like, but here, you know, and do the same thing in the black community, you can't afford a rich lawyer, you know what I mean? And like the judge told you 10 years, you're 16 years old, they put you in prison, like Khalid Browder and things like that. So it's, there are all sorts of these things, like, it's, there's so many you, layers. You can try and work hard, you can try, but it's, no, it's. I've seen the cycle play out on multiple. Of levels. course, that's why. That's everything you just said is so valuable. But that's why I feel like when people say like everything behind hustle culture feels like a, most of it it's like a fraud. A lot of it is a scam. All of the like girl boss, like so much of the shit that we've been told is like an emblem of success is bullshit. Oh, yeah, of course. I mean. But thing. now, but you can only, but I feel like now that you are at a level, we didn't even talk about, it. I don't even know if you want to discuss where you work now, but like well, okay, you, yeah, yeah. we can, okay, well, okay, we have to wrap it up soon or we can go again, but you work for Netflix now, which mm-hmm. is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, but arguably you, you, you've reached the level and you have the job that, you know, a lot of people would want to have and that a lot of people work for. And now I feel like only when you're at that level are you able to see, you know, success through the lens of that it's way more complicated than just working hard. But really quick, mm-hmm. we might do we can do another one after, but I don't want it to cut us off. Peter, what is the brokest thing, if you can think of anything, that you have ever done? <laughs> you have to <laughs> that would be amazing to Easy. leave it there. Easy? Easy? Okay. No, 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 I got it. Ready? Okay. Fall two thousand eleven. We're all we're all coming in from a night of drinking and partying and stuff. I have no, I'm too ashamed to ask my parents for money. And like, I don't have any money saved up because I got fired from Cold Stone over the summer because I was really shitty at making ice cream. And so we're all, you know, we're all drunk coming in from a night in. And my, and I have no food and no one's going to give me any food. Oh no. So I asked my roommate who literally is the same exact room if I can give him 50 cents for a piece of cheese. Piece of bread, he says yes. And then my boy and my other roommates just come in. He's drunk as fuck. He's like, you a lick? And like he just, it's just like he's just laughing at me, like, bro, you're you're broke as fuck. And I was like, yo, this is rock bottom. 
Okay, no, part two. Well, sort of part two. We had to clip the recording. But um, what were we just talking about? Well, no, it's like, you know, the way I think about money and the way I think about my future, like, as a journalist, it's so unstable in the way, like, the way I've, like, grown up and the way I've, like, growing up, this is going to make me sound like I'm bragging, but I was always, like, I always had different opinions than other people and I was always, like, Bright, but people would laugh off my ideas, and I had bad grades in school. Oh, oh my god! I had bad grades in school, and I just I was an all-around like not successful person anyway. But I always knew I was bright, and this sounds corny, but I always felt like I was special. People always told me you're gonna write books one day, you're gonna be famous one day, just like on some movie shit. But I saw the way smart people can get torn down or like you can get put in your place, quote unquote, if you don't have an idea that aligns with the popular opinion and mm -hmm. things like that. So I began to think that like I have to fight, you know, tooth and nail for everything I had. And it was just wasn't a given mm. that I would even be able to survive. And because of that, I've never thought about savings i don't have i barely have a savings i just started saving when i got I the job same. i, you know I think that's one of the like one of the biggest disasters of deciding to be a writer is that you feel so like more there's so much moral conviction behind what you do and you and i guess in any any kind of art form but i think especially writing because it's like it's just so fucking hard like you're struggling on so many different levels like not only to like write the stuff that you have to write but like financially your, your lifestyle is not really lining up to whatever that the idea of like having a savings or buying a house or doing things that you're told you should be doing is like such a side 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 note you never even feel like you're gonna that it's even worth it yeah. to think about yeah because you might get laid off tomorrow your column might be canceled right or like... but even if it's not canceled the worst part is even if you're if, even if you're working full time having a savings and buying a house is still almost impossible. Yeah, no, it's very, the media, and you know, you're seeing, you know, I can honestly say the media isn't always the best, but you know, you know, people don't always fact check the way they should. People don't always write the way they should in an unbiased way. But like, you know, the media has faults, but the way the media is devalued, you know, and the way like the whole pivot to video thing, catastrophe that Facebook like lied about, I mean, media is continually being devalued and, like, you know what I mean? And media, like, in some ways, has devalued... Well, corporate media has devalued itself. Yeah, no, 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 no. I would agree in a lot of ways, but, like, there's still people... But either way, like, doesn't... You know what I mean? You can try it, but, like, ultimately, like, the shit is just... It's dwindling. Like, there, there are less and less jobs. No, on, It's on the upswing now. There are more jobs coming up. Mm -hmm. But it's, like, it's still, like, you know, it's always in a precarious position. Like, ever, I've seen people, like, acclaimed writers, like, I've seen them go through, like, three layoff cycles in four years. Right. You know what I mean? And it's, and it's a demoralizing thing. You don't always plot. You, you know, it's hard to plot for your future because you, don't, you, barely, you barely have a present. Literally. You know so, so knowing now what you know, I know this is kind of an impossible question. It's not a fair question. But would you choose to be a writer again? Do you feel like there's no other job for you? Not to be like melodramatic, but like for me specifically, writing was destiny. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I, and like I alluded to this earlier, but like I have personally, and I won't go too deep, but I have, I have like literally, I have disabilities that make it so I'm really shitty at math. I'm really shitty at organizing things. 
I'm really shitty. Like, I can't drive. You can't drive? I literally cannot drive. Why? Because I like, because like my processing speed, this is why my directions, I could barely understand. Oh, yeah. I was like, go down Peachtree. Yeah, I was like, yo, yeah, like I, you know what I mean? Like my brain, it just doesn't, which you can only imagine like, you know, being something, something and how it feels and if your friends have to pick you up and there's no public transportation, you know what I mean? But like how horrible that was. Wait, you can't drive? No, I really can't. Like I try to fill my driver's license. It was twice. And you just don't feel comfortable, like... It's just, yeah, I mean, it's funny. I was talking to... Funny, I was talking to my little brother about it, and I was explaining it. He's like, honestly, Pete, like, it sounds like you just... Honestly, with all that stuff going on in your brain, I'd say it's probably not even safe for you. And I thought about it. When I was, like, when I'm taking my driver's license test, the driver's tester was like, you're dangerous out there. Mm-hmm. Because, like, yeah, I mean, it would be like I'd see... You know, and it's like... My dad was in a nearly fatal car accident when I was three. Yeah. So like yeah, you know I mean, so it's like I I don't want to like I don't want to I don't want to endanger somebody. I don't you know what I mean, but it's just but either way, like you know that there's certain but because I had certain disabilities that made it so I had to rely on words more, and that made mm. it so I strengthened my vocabulary. And because I like because those disabilities made it hard for people to understand me, I was an outcast. So that made it so I had to learn to think about things in a different way. Right. So I was acceptable and I, so I could understand my place in the world. And all of those things just funneled towards me being somebody that could think about things in different ways and that had a natural dexterity for language. So it was almost like I was pushed by destiny to be a writer. And even like down to like when I was, my dream was writing for my local newspaper, but I literally couldn't write for my local newspaper because I couldn't drive. So I ended up working for, so I, so I ended up working for That's a, an, an online website. Which led to me working at Double XL, which led me working at Netflix. So it all worked out for the best, but it was literally all destiny. It was all right. because because it had been normal. Had I been had I been able to drive, I'd maybe just still be in Connecticut writing for right. some paper I didn't care about. It is hard unless you're living in New York City to not drive. Like yes, yeah, New York is like the one place. Maybe Toronto. You know, there's pockets of cities where it's cool, but it's pretty difficult to live in most cities. Yeah, it's a car. yeah I mean, it's in a way like. It's a handicap. That's the thing. And, like, and, you know, for me, like, to be honest, like, not that, and I, I and it's, it's hard because I hate trying to, I think it's really whack when people go out of their way to try and prove things to people. Because in my opinion, I already am great and I don't have to prove anything to anyone. And it's embarrassing when I see people try and prove things to other people, like, mm. secondhand. But, you know, it was, it was embarrassing to, like, you know, they're like, I was on dating sites sometimes. Like, oh, yeah, I can't drive. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Like, no, I'm not going to lie to you. I had a situation recently where some guy was like, he's like, oh, I'm between cars right now. Red flag. No, like, no, that's... But then he's like, can you can you just come drive to me to pick me up? And I just was like, I'm not even going to answer. Like, No, 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 no. And that's the thing. There are these things. Like, people have these, you know, no, no one cares. You know, no one knows. No one cares about, like, why. It's just like, oh, yeah, TLC didn't want their friend and a passenger to try. It was that. They're not going to want it. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. It's a, it's a bad stereotype. It's, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's whatever. a broke stereotype. Like, you know what I'm oh, saying? you yeah, can't like, drive. People, so. Yeah, I mean, yeah. But, like, that's the thing. But, so, you know, they're, but, you know, so it's hard because I'm, I'm an extremely proud person. You know I mean, it's to the mm-hmm. point where my friends, the moment I was able to have sustainable employment, my friends would try and pick me up and I wouldn't even let them. I'm like, nope, I'm moving. I don't care if this is $48. And I have to spend forty dollars there and back. I'm not gonna be the person that has to like be helped here, here, this, and you know, even to my detriment at some points. But I was just too prideful to 
like accept. You know what I mean? So it's like, but but I, my bad. I went off on a, a tangent, but like, you know I mean, but writing to me, you know, it's literally the world and like my abilities and the world, the way the world shaped my abilities. Mm. It led to me becoming a writer. So it's hard for me. I was always going to be a writer. And, you know, it's luckily I've been able to figure out ways to make a good amount of money off of it. But, it is know. possible to make money off. It's, yeah. a po- it's possible to make a lot of money off of writing. Yeah, it Depending is. what you're writing to. Like, if you sell a TV show, obviously movies, like, any sort of script. I mean, there's a lot of books that are New York Times bestsellers that actually don't sell that many copies. Like, you don't... Depending on, like, the week or whatever, yeah. there's books that are, have been, quote-unquote, New York Times bestsellers that haven't made, like, millions or whatever. But it is possible to make a good living, like, being a writer. It's not like everybody who's a journalist yeah, or no. writer is broke. Yeah, I'm gonna be, yeah, you know what I'm saying? To be honest, like, I... Just my mentality, not to brag, but like I'm just a really good writer. You know what I'm saying? I'm like I've like I've dedicated so much time. My natural like, just the way the world made me. You know, I I love I, that you, but I love that you say it like that because for me, even when I was writing, like full time, and for all of the criticisms people had about me, very few people ever criticized my actual writing. Yeah, no, because you're a good writer. But like I never said, I never, I don't think I've ever been like, but I'm a. I'm a good writer. You know what I mean? Like, I've never no, it's, it, said it like us that. Us writers, because, you know what I mean? Cause I, I don't think, know why. Because I think as writers, we always feel like we're not good at it. You know what I mean? Because you read all these shits. There's a bunch of incredible writers. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But, like, it's a... There's it's, also a bunch of terrible writers. No, that's the thing, and you, you never know. want to be a terrible writer that thinks No, that's great. the thing. You know, like, you know what I'm saying? If you reached or I got cosigns from... I just, after a while, I was like, oh, this person's, like... The edited, this person's edited the best writers in the world. They say I'm good. So right. at this point, it was almost like I'm going out of my way to think I'm not a good writer. I, I, I thought I guess be realistic about the things you're not good about it. If, you, if you're not good about it, if you want to be real, keep it real. Being honest is important. But at the same time, if you're not keeping it real about what you're good at, you're not keeping it real either. True. So that's what that's I'm saying. Like we all have you can't be fake syndrome. humble. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, feel me? But, but, but even beyond, yeah, even beyond fake humble, like, it's, it's just easy to, you know what I'm saying? But, like, if you're not, it's, it's easy to be down on yourself sometimes and underestimate yourself. But you have to look inside and just look at what you've done. And, like, you know what I mean? You've written, you were a great food critic for national publications. Mm-hmm. You know, you wrote for us. You know what I'm saying? You're a dope writer. You have writers that are acclaimed and are great writers. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? No, you say you're a really good writer. People the on the is, YouTube comments say you're a good writer. True. So after a while, you know. Shout out to the real. YouTube commenters <laughs> on the No Jumper page. But the thing that's difficult for me about writing is that, well, now I'm building this podcast and I'm, I don't know. There's always an excuse, but I also just bought a new computer. I really have no excuse. I would love, and nothing is stopping me from, you know, freelancing again, but to be completely transparent, like it's hard to convince yourself to devote the time to doing something like that. Again, when publications that used to pay me like four or $500 for an article, which still is not a shit ton of money, but it's enough to justify the work for me, especially then now are like for $150 or a hundred dollars or something, you know, nothing. And I'm like, I have to put in so much legwork mm-hmm. And now I have to probably upload it into the back end of the web. Like all of the, it's, it's hard to find the time when that's the pay rate, which is. It's yeah. And that's the thing. And what I would say is, and that's why you're seeing a lot of journalists switch to copywriting, which I'm going to be, I'm going to be doing that too. You know what I mean? But what I would say is this, 
And this isn't an indictment on you. No, I'm very curious. But like, and I don't want it to be all about the money. It's not. It's oh, just no. Like, oh, oh no! Oh no! It's right. just like your work should allow you to have some room to live. No, for sure. But what I would say is this: if you have career stability other in other ways, and you're still not writing because of like a one hundred fifty dollar, hundred dollar thing, you know, or, or if you're not making your own website to do it, you know what I mean? I would say you might, you know, make. Maybe maybe your passion for writing has been killed, or maybe you're not quite as passionate as you, as as you thought. You know right. I mean? and I'm not even playing. You know what I'm saying? But no, like, that's interesting. I I take that. I take that criticism. I take that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, it's, but I think I think it's also there's there could be an element of that. I think sometimes passion comes in waves, like in different yeah. chapters of your life. But also, I think it's a sense of pride of like. Well, if somebody used to pay me a thousand dollars to write this, then why I'm not going to do the same thing now with you know five more years of experience for a hundred dollars? Like it's almost like I'm too maybe yeah. it's self righteous or something, but I, no, I feel that too, and I think yeah, it's just a, it feels a, like a slap in the face. It's an existential thing. No, and I what I would say is like, and even me personally, you know, if no writer fucked with me after I left my day job. Like, the way I feel, and this is the reason why I speak my mind and say how I want it now. If you don't give me the opportunity, I'm going to come up with the opportunity. Of course. I'm going to do it because I love it. I have something I want to say at the end of the day. Yeah. And it, it it's so burning. It's it, Like, honestly, like, I am so obsessed with the craft of writing mm-hmm. and journalism that, like, I, I did fact-checking for a magazine for, like, and I didn't even, I literally didn't, I was, you know what I'm saying? I literally did not have to do it at all. I was so far up. Mm-hmm. I did it just like, all right, you still got it. You're still good. You ever, you ever seen The Wire? No. Oh, we'll watch it. Later. I know, I need to watch no, it. No, 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 but feel me, but like there was, um, you know, there was, um, there was this guy, there was this one character who was a big drug dealer. By the end of the show, he's become really successful in a businessman. He's mm-hmm. been one of the few gangsters that's been able to make it out to the other side and be rich and make a lot of money. But then midway, like, through a party with real estate people and other rich people, he leaves it, and he walks back to the same corner where he was, where he sees two drug dealers, and he confronts them and takes over the corner. And he just, and then, then the camera just pans out. You see it as a rush. And he just has a look of satisfaction on his face. And what that is, he loves the game so much, so feverishly, that he left... He literally was about to throw away all... He made it out of the game. He had the ultimate gangster's dream to make it out of the game and be rich. But he's like, no, fuck that. I'm a gangster, and this is what the fuck I'm going to do. I'm going to take this corner for these two drug dealers because I'm the realest nigga. I'm the best. And that's how I feel. Like I'm like, yo, even if... No, I'm the, I have a sense of writer's pride. And I'm like, no, I'm just as good as this person. I'm better than this person. Yeah. I, I, I can put words together. This, I have this passion. I'm taking this corner. T- yeah. And I'm I mean, just, I like, respect that a lot, but I think the one piece of the conversation that we're missing when it comes to professional writing is when you're writing for publications, you are appropriating their voice. Like every publication, unless you're writing like an op-ed or even then, like there's a, there's an editorial slant and there's a voice that you write towards that you're, you get edited into also Mm -hmm. that for me, the only thing that is really worth doing for free until hopefully it pays off, pays, you know, a lot is like something that's completely your own, like a book. Yeah. That's for me, like my next big thing that I, you know, was quietly, that's why I even started this podcast. Cause I could never finish the book, but like, that's something that's like worth it. That feels worth yeah. it because it's yours. Yeah. And I think you still, and I think that you still have an urge to express yourself. Mm-hmm. It's just coming through the podcast. Right. And it's, it's, it's taking, well, what it is, is it's, 
it's not even an urge to express myself. It's just like, it gives me, you know, when you publish a story and it gives you that like temporary feeling of satisfaction, mm-hmm. at least for me, you kind of get that little hit of dopamine and that little release of like, okay, I did it. You know, we did it. Mm-hmm. Like I put it out and now I can move on to the next thing. This gives me that in a sense, but it's to be honest, in some ways a lot easier because I don't have to reread the same like yeah. 800 yeah. words, like it's 50 what, times. Yeah, no, no, for sure. I think, and I think, that and it's almost, more, it's, sometimes it's more interesting too. You know, it's definitely, you know, you know, you're a good talker, you know, so it's like, and I think, I mean, I think the I podcast mean, sometimes is, it's a fucking nightmare, but no, no, I mean, I think it's just an extension of your writing. You know, that's, like, I think so too. I think, that? I think podcasts are an extension of, it's the next evolution writing, stuff, though. Kind of, yeah. You know? They're not mutually exclusive. You can do both. No, absolutely. You know what I'm saying? But I think it's I can be the next Barry Weiss. That's what I'm saying. Oh, God. Well, I mean... I like her. I, I don't mind... I mean, it, she's I just... She's I don't mind her, but... What's interesting is that even with... And I'm sorry if this conversation is, like, too niche. I know a lot of people that listen to this probably aren't even really that into, like, journalism or writing or anything like that, but it's interesting that a lot of those big writers for those big publications now move to Substack, like Barry Weiss or whoever, that they can, it's like, it's pretty much like they're writing their own book in real time where they don't have to write with an editorial slant. They don't have to write with an editorial voice or anything like that. They can just fully write like themselves. Mm -hmm. And I think there's probably like, that seems, that seems like the ideal evolution in any job. You don't continuously go back out of passion for pennies. You evolve to grow your own thing. Yeah. That becomes more worth yeah, it. That's really the plan. I mean, that's what I'm working towards. Right. You know what I'm saying? That's, I'm also kind of working to sharpen because for as good and dynamic as I think I am, you know, I'm still working towards a pl- I'm not sure where when I'll be good enough. I think a big part of whatever, I mean, a big part of writing with us writers is we're never good enough. We always feel like we can get better and better. But like, you know, it's a, but yeah, I mean, I think that's really the motto and I'm sure Barry gets paid a shit ton for the Substack somehow. I mean, yeah, she has a podcast yeah, and she's, interviews she's like big people, up. but she's also like the punchline of a lot of other podcasters and yeah, people pe- that make people, jokes. People, but people I mean, she her. sets herself up for it in some ways. But um, does, yeah. <laughs> but I think no. The interesting thing to me about this whole conversation is that now you don't really meet that many younger. I mean, not that I speak to that many young people, but. Be wanting to be a writer seems like a desire of the past. Like now people want to be TikTok stars or like being a social media person is so normalized now. It's such a career path. Whereas when we were growing up, it wasn't like a normal career path at all. Like being a writer in a journal. Well, it it did exist, but it was like in its embryonic stages pretty much. Yeah. Like when we were, it's an interesting thing. I think it's just about having a plan that doesn't involve becoming like a local a strictly being a journalist, you know? Mm. I, I think what it is is you need to, you need to, at the same time you're studying journalism, you need to also learn about copywriting. You need to also, you need to learn how to, like, apply your skills in a variety of ways. Because here's the thing, literally, like, us writers are, like, the best at everything in a way. Like, I don't, like, 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 like if you look at a bunch of shit, like, it's, The best at everything and the worst at everything. No, you know, exactly. Yeah, you're saying, yeah, it's, like, it's a mixed bag. But, you know, but, like, but these advertisers, like, they need these people that... Everybody work, like, needs... That's what I'm saying, like, like literally... Coherent like, words. No, that's what I'm saying, like, literally, if you can't put words together, like, you're... Like, publicists need to be able to put words together. They need to, in some way, they need to understand the way language works. Otherwise, their client will be fucked. Right. You know what I'm saying? You need to... 
You need to be able to write. You need to understand how language works to write an advertising campaign. You need to... Well, also to speak compellingly. Yeah. That's said it in the worst way, but like to speak in any compelling way to sell anybody on anything. Even when you're not selling something, you're still selling something. No. I mean, no, no. I mean, that's exactly it. I mean, so no matter what, and I know you're not talking about that. You're not saying that writing isn't. You're saying you're seeing a lot of people not trying to be writers. I think that they should still try and be... You can get paid a shit ton of money if you're writing for a corporate brand. I'll tell you, these, these big tech companies are paying big money. Like how much money? Like, like easily six figures. For uh, a, a year's salary? At a, yeah, 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 like a year's. There, there are these big people, like, I just realized recently, you know what I'm saying? Like, they, they pay, uh, like, these people, you can. Like, like they, because they literally need good writers. They need something to make their shitty artists, their shitty product sound good. They need, right. they need the next campaign. It's a, like, it's literally, they're an endless, it's writing, you know, it's writing t- scripts for TV, writing commercials, writing, you know, writing press materials, writing biographies for people, writing, you know, being a, being a good essayist. Writing, writing UX material, writing product manuals, yeah. technical writing, copy. There's a lot of it. My, my best thing would be is to, to think, about, think about going into something full-time besides journalism. Think about advertising. Think about, think about being a copywriter for Facebook. I guarantee you if you're a copywriter for Facebook and you're like mid-level, you're getting like 150000 a year. And your soul is slowly being sucked out of you. But it's fine. You're making the, six figures. Yeah, yeah, so getting, be happy. And eat your free Facebook lunch. Yeah, but yeah, no. It's, 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 yeah, get a job at spot. Be a community manager. Be a, if it's, That's the biggest bullshit job I feel like there is no, of the modern world. What no, the fuck is a community no, no, manager? No, no, no. It's funny, but like, really, like, it's very funny, but like, the skills that you need to be a journal, like, even, even more than just being a writer. Like, right, like, even, like, when I was posting stuff on social media, you have to be able to assess, like, what's offensive and what's not, what's an over. But that's, okay, but that's where the conversation of is Twitter, Facebook, a public, private company, all that shit gets messy because those community managers on those platforms that decide what is allowed to be said and what isn't, that's that's some weird, dark time shit that we're living in now. Oh, oh, well, I just mean, like, Social media, man. Like, you know, that, that, that is true, but I just mean, like, just community managers. Yeah, that, that's one thing, but I mean, like, also social media managers. People. Right. Yeah, I mean, like, one of my friends. That also seems like the biggest bullshit job. No, 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 but I'll tell you, like, one of my friends, he was one of my editors when I was a freelance writer at XXL, a freelance news writer, and this guy was such a hardworking reporter. He always knew the right questions to ask. He was always up all night writing all news articles, editing things. He had a razor sharp understanding of language and how people would respond to certain things and like what memes would be too much. He would never, if you post the wrong meme, you're fucking, like not having the right sensibilities will get you fucked. No, absolutely. But, 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 if, but if you have the judgment of a good news editor, like then you'll know, like for instance, Snapchat, they post like a, a meme about it was some shit that joked about Rihanna and Chris Brown. 
years ago, which you would think would be obvious, but it's not obvious for some people. But if you're but if you're a news editor at a huge website, like I don't know if that not to brag, but like I was or my yeah, or, or, or no, you have you have to you yeah, have yeah, to you have that say, yeah yeah. There's such a multi. You understand fact checking. You understand why. You understand how people will see it because you've seen your own mistakes or you've avoided those mistakes. You know about you know how to make a punchy headline. You know the most relevant angle. You know what's funny. You know how people respond. All of that goes into like managing a brand. All of that goes into writing for a brand. It's the same tools as journalism in a lot of ways, which is what I keep seeing as I keep going into different subfields. So I think there's still a very, if you can be a great journalist, if you can be a great journalist or a very good one or a good one, you can do a shit ton of jobs. Sure, you can be a great stripper. <laughs> you can. Really? No, honestly, you take the, it's a lot of... How do you know? How I mean, you know? I feel like... Being able to, it's not being able to like synthesize information, but being able to adapt, like a good journalist knows how to get things out of people. They know how to make the subject trust them. They know how to go into different types of environments and get information. A good stripper, like if you're really trying to make big money, you know how to make people feel comfortable around you. You know how to talk to different types of people and you know how to like truly. It's awful. They, they and know. also, though, with you're you're shaking your head, you like you know something that I don't, <laughs> like even personally victimized. But yeah, the thing is, me. right? But like, it's I guess also the one other benefit is that as a journalist, you end up it's like going to a lot of different dinner parties or whatever cocktail parties. You end up knowing a lot, a, a little bit about a lot of things. And as a stripper, that helps. Like I can carry a conversation about a lot of things for five minutes. No, no, 100%. No, because that's the thing. For journalists... I can talk to almost anyone. No, and that's the thing. And the same here. Right. It's the same, and that's how I know it. Yeah, that's exactly it. It's, and I noticed that when I talk to strippers. I know, I'm like, yo, you could have been a journalist. Right. Uh, I'll, I'll be talking to them like, yo. And I'll be like, yo, let's go to this local paper. I'm going to get you... This will be another stream of income. They're like, no, I'm making way too much money here. That's so funny. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But no, but that's, that's actually true. I mean, because journalists, you have to... Write about shit you're not an expert on. You have to become an expert on it. Yeah. Immediately. You kind of have to make it up on the fly as you go, which is really what you end up doing as a dancer also. Both dancing and talking. Half the time when I'm dancing, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. And half the time when I'm talking to people, I don't really know what I'm talking about. I'm kind of just letting them lead no. it. And, you know, anyway, that's interesting. That's no, funny. no, I mean, no, it's definitely... But bottom Career line. crossover. No, I guess bottom line, yeah, what is it? What, what is the bottom line? Oh, bottom line is journalism. Journalists may be getting fucked and it may be a very unstable market and writing may be unglamorized. But if you know how to use your skills and that hard-earned knowledge you got trying to become a journalist and having been a journalist... I've noticed that those people are some of the best publicists. They're some of the best social media managers. I'm just saying, talking to the microphone. Oh, my bad. No, I've it's noticed. okay, because you're, you're... It's cool. You know, you know what I mean? But, you know, journalism may be getting fucked, but, the, but a lot of the best publicists, a lot of the best managers, a lot of the, these cushy, you know what I mean, jobs at big platforms, Spotify, Apple Music, Tidal were great, great journalists and they were all around because being a great journalist requires that you're very insightful, you're adaptable, you have a pulse on the culture and you know how to put words together in a compelling way. 
those skills, no matter how people try and diminish them, no matter how unglamorous they may seem in the face of social media, TikToking jobs, et cetera, et cetera, are extremely valuable in every sector of like most parts of the corporate world. Those people are beasts at these jobs and I've seen it too much. The journalists I, journalists I know, they're literally capable, and even looking at myself, not to brag, they're literally capable of basically everything to a certain extent. And like, so don't be, so don't, writing is still a worthwhile skill to learn, but just be ready to apply that shit in a different way because journalism is extremely unstable. And if you want to be a journalist, you need to get ready to have a good side job in another part of writing. Yeah, That's true. It. Facts. Yep. Amen. Well, to CNN and the New York Times. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Fuck CNN. <laughs>